0: I'm a little wounded, but I am not slain. I will lay me down to bleed a while. Then I'll rise and fight again. (laughs)
1: And Doc Audio Encounter. My name is Sadie Patchen and I'm sitting here with two of the finest men or I guess I should say four of the finest men I know. Tim Glockner, Dale King, Joe Glockner and Mike Butch Glockner. What's up you guys?
2: What's up? Good morning. We are Good morning. living the dream.
1: We are. So speaking of the finest men I know, in today's episode we are going to be discussing our mentors in life and according to google a mentor is an experienced and trusted advisor
0: look at this hold out the google all
1: right so as we uh prepared for this episode the three of us have kind of gone back and forth uh dale tim and i with who our mentors are and shared some stories and i'm excited to get the conversation going as uh, i look up to both of you very much both as um friends, and mentors. However, I feel like we should flip a coin or duke it out to see who's going to go first because I know you both came prepared. We know that I'd win, so I'm gonna go out first. <laughs> Guns are holstered. We literally have knives on the we table. Have knives.
0: We've got coffee.
1: <laughs> We're ready we've to go. We've got crucifixes. So I'm excited, uh, to get, to get rolling and, um, and so we're going to kick this off. Before we do, I would like to note that we're live on Facebook, and uh, this is a chance for our viewers to chime in with any questions that they may have. I actually, or... just saw on
0: Instagram right now. Oh, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: so we're live on the socials on Instagram. Um, so just for any viewers that have any questions or just want to say what's up, show us some love. Um, after we go over what we're going to talk about, our discussion. Stick around, and we'll get to those questions and get them answered live here on the podcast today. Okay? Sweet. Very good. Ready to rock and roll?
0: Let's do it. Let's do
2: this. All right. Fellas? Yeah, so I've known that we were going to talk about mentors for the last few days, a week, something like that, and uh, got thinking about who shaped my life at an early age, and i um, been lucky to have four or five mentors over my lifetime one being my grandfather, took a real interest in me. And um, and another one that I thought about in my high, high school and college years, that was a mentor, his name is John James. And this guy um, is a Marine who served in the Korean War. He's 83 years old now. And I uh, was just kind of reminiscing yesterday and I called my brother Joe and I said, we need to go find John James. I haven't seen him in years. So we did. And uh that was a great a video a by time. the way. Yeah, had a hell of a We're going to post that video later okay. on. So uh yeah, this guy is just a really cool guy and how we met him was my grandfather when he retired decided that he wanted to um own a farm for some reason. He's a had no business having a farm, but he did. <laughs> he, he bought 100 acres and bought 50 or 60 head of black Angus cattle and put a cowboy hat on and decided he wanted to be a farmer. Well, Joe and Mike and I and our sisters had been to a couple dude ranches uh, growing up, and those were fond memories, and we rode horses. And so I decided I want a horse, and so my grandfather was going to buy me the, my first horse. I was 15 years old. And John James is a, a local horse
0: trader. That's like a legit. Legit horse trader. Wow. This is what he did basically for a living. You know you're the coolest guy in the room when you say, <laughs> hey, I'm a horse trader. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? He, Sell insurance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he can
1: justify a cowboy hat.
2: So he, uh, he sold me my first horse. I have a picture right here. Beautiful. Look this.
1: We'll post this picture up too this is a-
2: that's awesome and I named the horse after John James we called him JJ Aww. <laughs> and uh, but this guy just he meant he took a liking to me and and he just had a fantastic personality great laugh uh, he's super honorary and um, he taught me a lot of life lessons we had a lot of fun with him over the years so uh, he knew that I was going to be in the car business it was no doubt. Um, and so he he taught me how to to buy low and sell high, and and that money talks and bullshit walks and cash is king, and t- taught me how to to keep small bills in one pocket and large bills in another, and just how to hustle people. Basically, that is <laughs> that is some horse training. <laughs> I don't think that man was a horse <laughs> trainer. <laughs> um. Yeah, he, t- he he took me to horse auctions, taught me the auction game, uh, all kind of tricks there that I'm a little bit ashamed to tell now. But he'd, he'd, and he he t- and he made me think that I was the toughest kid in the world. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like a I'm like Rudy. I'm like five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. And he would he we'd go up in every holler in Kentucky looking for horses to buy and to sell, and a lot of them weren't broken. So he, would, he taught me how to break horses and, and make them bridle-trained and trail-ready. And um, He certainly—he was probably in his late 50s at the time, and he certainly wasn't going to get on a horse that wasn't broken, but he wouldn't care to put me on one <laughs> let me get thrown <laughs> off. Learn the ropes. And, um, and I wasn't going to disappoint him, so I, I got on. I was scared to death, I'm sure, and I'd get on and get thrown off, and we'd, we'd buy these horses for nothing and, and make a little money on them. Uh, he also taught me how to shoe horses. Ooh. I would shoe, and I had a couple clients, so I'd shoe my own horse. I'd shoe horses for, for other people and taught me how to gauge the age of a horse by their teeth. So a horse's teeth, when they're when they're newborns, you know, they're, well, they're that big. They look like little chicklets, and they're straight up and down, and as they age, they huh. basically go out huh. like that, and then they get yellow and brown, and then they're too old to buy anyway so he taught me all these tricks of the trade and um he was a a really cool guy but this this kind of more interesting thing so he he made me think that i was better than i was and tougher than i was and you saw in that video he he was constantly shadow boxing with me but he he'd actually hit me he wouldn't hit me in the face real hard but (laughs) he'd slap boxing but he yeah he knocked the wind out of me you know a couple times a day yeah um (laughs) And I don't know why I just kept going back for more. I just I just adored this guy, and uh, and he taught me that uh, the, the best thing he ever taught me was that ninety percent of a fight is in the first punch. Have we ever heard this? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So for some reason I thought I was I was a tough guy. So I go away to college. I'm two years older than my wife now. We we dated From the time we were teenagers. So I'm away at college at Xavier University. <clears throat> I'm away and there's two or three guys calling Monica and I'm jealous and I'm I don't know what to do about it so I call John James and I'm, I'm like what do I do and he's like you gotta sacrifice one of them you gotta, go beat, them. You got, <laughs> you gotta beat one of them up so that the rest of them will leave her alone right so I'm like yeah, I'm nervous I'm scared to death It's I go all, all week long at college I'm what two hours away and I drive home Friday afternoon and I go straight to this kid's house <laughs> And I go Hold up me. to his front door. Is, is this God's truth? <laughs> Dead serious. Knock <laughs> <laughs> on his front door. He comes to the door. He's like, startled. He's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, let's go. And he comes out in the front yard. And I beat him up in his front yard until the mailman pulls me off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That mailman, He. And he's, he he's. they're actually <laughs> tragically both gone now, the mailman and this guy that I... But the mailman was Ernie McLaughlin, and he lived in my neighborhood forever. He, he died of cancer a few years ago, but he loved to tell that
0: story. Oh. <laughs>
1: Tim, I feel like I'm singing. <laughs> <Yeah. of laughs> Monica's love.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is incredible. That is one of the coolest stories you, I've ever you heard. You topped ago. it
1: off. like The horse, the horse part, shoeing horses, uh-huh. was like, okay, I never saw that. Never saw that coming. Yeah. Definitely did not see you driving two hours to pull someone out Fair. of their own home.
0: Somebody's got to go. One head. <laughs> Somebody got to <laughs> go. sacrifice. What do I do? You, you got to sacrifice one. Put one, cut one head off. Put it on a pike, man. The rest of them stay away. Scouts. So yeah, I just adore this
2: guy, and he, uh, he, he took interest in me and 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 really shaped my life. And I, there's a lot of things that I still do and say that. Uh, that he taught me. So I brought a couple knives today and this ties into Doc Spartan actually in a way. So Renee's, what would have been her father-in-law? Because I think he, I think Renee's father-in-law, which is your business partner. Yeah. For those that don't know. um, I think he died before Renee and Chris got together. But uh, my, that, so his name was Mike Wallace and Mike and my dad are first cousins. And when Mike Wallace was terminal with cancer, he and he was a real outdoorsman. He could do anything. He's a lot like John James. So he wanted to make my dad a knife before he died. Wow. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is that knife. Well, while he was making this knife, I wanted to make a knife for John James. And so I, I went and borrowed that from John yesterday. So these are the two knives. Oh wow. Wow. And I wanted I I stenciled okay. yeah yeah, yeah so- my horse. And J.J. on the other side, because the horse was named after John James. Aww. And then this knife. So we made these just from a, a piece of steel. And, of course, Mike showed me how to do it the whole way. And Wow. It's some pretty What's cool shit. What's the handle shit. made out of? This is a lot nicer than mine. But... Oh, my gosh. Do you know, baby. Joe, is that, that's wood. I yeah. thought it was bone, but I think it is wood. Did you
0: forge the blade? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I, thought the, I, I thought,
2: thought the handle was made out of an uh, antler. So it's just carbon steel, and it's
0: polished Seriously, right. to a mere finish. I was um, gonna say it's but, perfect. Um, yeah. Damn, dude. Did you? So I haven't.
2: I've seen John James over. It's been twenty years since I really hung out with him, you know. But um, and we see him from time to time. Joe sees him all the time because he lives in Kentucky, close to him. But uh, I just I had wondered because he buys and sells anything and everything. That's the way he does. Yeah. He just gins around and but. It must have been special to him because he kept it. He kept it was it. still yeah. in that That's bottom so drawer in the back bedroom. When I'd, I'd sneak home from college sometimes to see Monica, and I'd stay with him.
0: <laughs> uh, so, anyway. so you're straight, punching people in the face. Bringing and make,
1: knives to the podcast. And make, that you making make. <laughs> knives.
0: Wow. So I got in a
2: handful of fights in college because of this guy. So another time I'm in bed, it's like a Wednesday night. And my college roommates love to tell this one. And uh, <clears throat> I'm in bed in my tidy whities And it's probably 1030. And this dude named Seamus, and I can't remember his first name. He's this big red-headed guy. And he was, everyone was a lot bigger than me. But So he's picking on my roommate, who was a, a good, great guy, golfer, not not a tough guy. He's going to kill me when he hears this. <laughs> I was kind of picking on Andy. And I told Seamus, I was like, one more, and I'm getting out of bed. And he's probably thinking, hey, Yeah. This kid, right, 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 right. You know I mean? So I get out of bed, and we're out in the in the hallway, and he just he's before he can say, What are you gonna do? I popped him in the mouth and dropped him. 90 <laughs> percent <90% laughs> of the fight Not is in the first punch. And I didn't know what I was gonna do after that. And thankfully <laughs> he didn't come back at me and that was it. Well, that wasn't it, because he goes downstairs, he goes out in the parking lot, and this is a dormitory with a thousand kids in it. And he's yelling for me to come out and fight him. Now he's ready. I'm Yo, like, fuck, yeah. I ain't going. And <laughs> <That's laughs> And I did, and I did. Right. He, was like, he was calling me out, and I didn't. I didn't answer the bell. I'm good. I'm good. Uh-huh. But you know, I saw him. That was our freshman year. I saw him on campus. He'd never said another word to me. But he was. He was pissed. He was. But anyway, some good, good stories. But that. That's, uh, that's my story this morning is this guy took a real interest in me, set me, uh, on a, on a good path, made me feel like someone Yeah. and taught me a lot of life lessons that, that I still use today. And, and I think that's what life's all about. It's not, we're not going to be judged at the end of our life on what we accumulate, but, but what we give and how we treat other people. And that's true. This is, uh, he's, he's a good
0: dude. That's great. Wow. I'm, uh. I'm still having to soak all that in.
1: I, yeah. I feel like I just got hit with the real Tim.
2: <clears throat> that was awesome, dude. Yeah. So And you know better than anyone that, not to mess with me, that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, do, we want, do we want
2: to tell that story? In the, because, and I did warn you. No, Okay. If you want to go sure? there, we'll go there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did warn you. This all I makes say sense. is
1: 2020 because he really could have hurt so you. back the,
0: the battleships and, and your Navy. Against okay, him so now you I'd
1: back it. that boat up a little bit.
0: So, uh, the bladesmith over here, Tim Glockner, <laughs> comes into the gym one morning. He's like, out of nowhere, he's like, Hey, uh, saw something on YouTube. I want to try it out, which should have been red flags to begin with,
1: knowing what we know <laughs> now.
0: So, I'm like, All right, man. He's like, Yeah, I learned this like takedown move. Can I show it to you? (laughs) Keyword, can I show it to you? Meaning there's going to be a demonstration of said takedown move. So I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. So he, there is no crawl, walk, run, ABC. It's like, go. So he feigns a jab to my face and then double leg takedown, picks me up, slams me on my back. Within like boss. <laughs> <laughs> I was right there. <laughs> you
2: went down like a
0: second. <laughs> because I'm expecting him to like, okay, step one, here, step two. I think two, you were
2: crashed down ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you
0: were like this. You were in
2: fighting mode.
0: <clears throat> so, ever since that time, he's <clears throat> rightfully held that over my head. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. So clearly we're talking about the importance of mentors. And I'm going to bring up three movies. Braveheart, Mm -hmm. Karate Kid, Star Wars. All three movies are prime examples of mentors. Braveheart, Dad Gets slain by the English poor little orphan kids left around who comes to save him and teach him the ways of the world it's his his uncle his uncle comes down and the the classic line of the movie is that he's like I don't know nine or ten he's all fired up and wants to go fight he's got a sword that's like twice the length that the kid is and the uncle taps him on his head he goes first you have to learn how to use this before you can use this karate kid, Mr. Miyagi. you know what I mean? a non a non-relative teaching a kid to essentially become a man. Um, and then of course, Yoda and, uh, and Luke. okay So as you go throughout your life and you already said it, it's those three examples, obviously they they taught those three characters' main skills. But the main thing they they built belief in that young man or young men in this case. So I think it's I think it's imperative, especially as a young kid, um, if you're in whatever role as a coach or as a uncle or as as a whatever. Like I don't think when you're our age at that mentor age. It's you don't really. It's hard to appreciate the impact you can have on somebody's life, whether they're 10 or whether they're 20 or 30, um, because I think a lot of people are wandering through life insecure and and not confident and not capable, and we see that we see that a lot in the gym, and that's why the you know the gym can become such powerful message. So without those mentors, those movies really would have sucked too. (laughs) So, um, what I have here is, I'm kind of cheating, but, as a, as a man transitions throughout life, you know, a kid to college, or profession, or military, um, there's going to be, there's going to be people that, Join him in his journey and help him mentor him along the way. So, I I kind of reached out to three people this last week, and they were all three gracious enough to basically kind of give me their laws of life or success. I'm cheating on the first one. First one's my dad um, because he was a huge, you know, obviously just more than a mentor. He's my dad, and I and I was very lucky to learn a lot from him uh, growing up. And he was not a sports dad. Um, my dad just worked, and when he wanted time off, he worked. As he he worked on the house yeah. as a release from working at his job. You know, what I mean, like, this just, just what he did. Um, he never pushed me to do anything. Um, he just kind of led by example. And every now and then, like he would, like write handwritten. He was a big quotes guy. So um, these are kind of a collection of. His quotes and then quotes that he likes to, to live by. So I just emailed these three guys and we'll talk about them as we go in. but the first one's dad pop And so the first thing he says in big bold letters is think if you continue to doing if you continue doing the same things you've always done, you'll get the same result. Is that good news? What you think about you bring about. The good news is, you can create anything using your thoughts. Bad news is, you can create anything using your thoughts. And then he lists a quote from a guy named John Dryden. I'm a little wounded, but I am not slain. I will lay me down to bleed a while. Then I'll rise and fight again. Rule number one. This is kinda this is weird for me now. Cause in the last five years, uh, my dad got saved and my dad's, he's closing in on 80. Um, so he, I, the whole life he kind of ranted against organized religion and like to the point to where he was like, he wasn't, he was agnostic. He believed there was a God, but believed every man had to find his own path to follow God. Rule number one, follow the will of God. Rule number two, never compromise your integrity for anything or anybody. Number three, don't make promises you can't keep. Learn to say no politely and pleasantly, but immediately and firmly. Do not violate another man's property. Number four, when you feel overwhelmed, don't try to do everything. Just do something. Number five. Focus your efforts on the crux of every situation. Avoid spending energy on peripheral issues that cannot yield a payoff no matter what their outcome. And in parentheses, has have got the 80-20 Pareto Principle, um, which we can go into later on. But. Number six. The power of the understatement is enormous. Say what you have to say quickly, succinctly, and simply, then shut up. This is clearly one I have not uh, <laughs> so <out>. saying, I'm <laughs> listening to these and- number 7 Never fall into the trap of waiting for something to happen. Make it happen. Be the cause, not the effect. Make it a habit make it a habit to concentrate on opportunities rather than problems. Number 8 The only power anyone can have over you is the power you give them without your permission the other man is powerless number 9 let us sit down and reason together but remember you cannot reason with unreasonableness number 10 be careful that you do not violate your sense of right and wrong and the last one follow the will of god so that's my that's my pop um Smart man. Yeah, I'm not. He's there's a lot. There's a whole podcast on his life, but uh, he's a good dude, and he's he's done a lot of good things for me and, and a lot of other people. So we're gonna we're gonna use that as you know early age going on, and since he did he was he wasn't a sports dad and didn't push me into athletics, somebody had to take me under their wing, okay, and uh, I was very fortunate enough that a guy named Meathead, a.k.a. Chad Hammond, was my linebacker coach in high school who was also a competitive world-class powerlifter then. And then as he took time off, as as I went to college and military, he focused more on coaching and teaching. And then when I moved back, he got back into competitive uh, powerlifting. So... I was, you know, high school age and he was just kind of right out of college. So he was early to mid 20s and he was you talk about the picture and definition of intensity. A young meathead at 25 compete like being a being your coach and being a competitive powerlifter like he was scary. Like he used to like have to he would get so worked up he would have to hold his arms and shiver. As a, just kind of a release of the energy. Like, <laughs> so if you look down, you would just on the sidelines, you would see him <laughs> <laughs> like I am that's no exaggeration. So like you did not wanna upset that guy. So I reached out to him and asked him for the same thing. And another funny story about Meathead is uh Zach from the gym asked him one time, he's like What kind of pre-workout do you use? Uh, you know, blah blah blah. He goes, if I ever have to get to the point to where I need pre-workout to work out, then I'm quitting. (laughs) I was like, solid answer. Yeah. So, these are meathead's laws. Number one, you gotta be willing to do what others will not. Number two, be passionate about the process. Number three, Read and ask questions of those better than yourself. The importance of a mentorship right there. Number four, never accept failure. Figure it out. Number five, train smart. Number six, go all in. Burn the ships. Number seven, be grateful always. Number eight, live with purpose. Number nine, love your family and friends. Number 10, treat people like you want to be treated. Number eleven. Protect your time, the most valuable asset you have. That's Good advice. Advice. Not bad. Not bad. What was number six again? Number six. Go all in, burn the ships. So that's so, where you got that. Yeah. So like my
2: island down. Yeah. It's happening.
1: I don't know. Now I'm like, remember that. Right after that, and you guys were about to go at it on the mat, and I had to put a stop to it. Yeah,
2: it's a good
0: thing.
1: I really wish I wouldn't have now. I think we need to get the mat back out.
0: Listen. It will never happen. You you will lose, and you will lose in such a fantastic fashion that... Oh, it's coming back out. (laughs) It's coming out. All right. Anyways, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Before we end in the fisticuffs over here. So... Now, I had a mentor. My dad was my mentor growing up. Me, Dad, was my mentor in high school and sports, so now I'm in the military. Uh, my first deployment, I served uh, in the S2 shop, which is basically the intelligence shop. And in the art, As a staff officer, um, it's not a very glamorous position, but basically, in, at a battalion level, you have functions who support the entire battalion. Okay. S2 is intelligence. So your job obviously is to collect and disseminate, analyze intelligence information. S3 is operations. So you have a battalion commander. You have an executive officer, an XO, which is kind of like CEO and COO. Um, and then underneath them, you have those shops. Okay, So S3 is basically in charge of planning, conducting, coordinating, and deconflicting all operations on the battlefield. In this case, we had basically the half of, yeah, from Baghdad up, um, Arbitine was in charge of um, special forces teams kind of littered all over the battlefield. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff you got to manage, you got to coordinate, plan the whole deal. Um, so at the time, He was Major Roy Douglas, he's now Colonel Roy Douglas, and I can't, unfortunately, being that he's still on active duty, I can't really get into too much about his background, but uh, Colonel Roy Douglas, United States Army, 29 years, combat officer, served five tours in combat in various positions. One of these tours was, I was fortunate enough to be there, so. In a in a tactical operations center, you're I was essentially got to sit right next to him through my first deployment in Iraq. So his call sign, whether it was his call sign or whether people just called him this, was the Riddler, <laughs> which sounds cool and is cool, but he was he was known as the Riddler because he was operating and talking to you at about 5 levels above your own comprehension and understanding. So if you had a conversation with this guy, it was like he just talked to you in riddles cuz you had no you could not decipher the amount of intelligence that he was like he was just like, "Sir, just write it out for me." <laughs> something. I need help, you know. And I don't think I ever saw him sleep. His like he just Chewed Copenhagen and drank coffee, like that was, that was his essentially man. his nutrition. And then he'd go run like a half marathon, like that's what he did. Um, so I never forget. I was a young lieutenant and just really way out of my league to begin with. And now I got to work with this guy, and uh, so he's like, "Hey, go make a pot of coffee." So I make a pot of coffee. He then I, I didn't know this at the time, but he was joking. He then takes the coffee pot out, holds it up to the light, and there's light shining through the coffee. Uh. He grabs me by my shirt, pulls me outside, and was like, "What the fuck do you think you're doing?" And I'm think, and he's joking, but I don't know this. you know what I mean, like, oh, I'm here. I can't even fucking make coffee right." You know what I mean? So his standard of coffee was you just filled the grounds to the very top. <laughs> <laughs> you just filled it. This is not – this is no joke. You just filled the grounds to the very top. And so when you had a pot of coffee, it should be – it should block sunlight. And that way he would do that like every morning just Ugh. like that. And I was like, well, okay. And so I'll never forget Six seven months, however long of, of drinking this coffee, so I come home and I'm like, "That's normal. That's that's normal. That's, normal. that's, that's all new, making and, sense now." And then <laughs> Tia goes to get a, a a cup. She's like, "Oh my god, what are you like?" Uh. I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I'm just, how I'm used to used to drinking it." So. So he by being next to him for six or seven, this guy was on a different level. I mean, when you when you're an officer in that unit uh, in, in that position, especially you've had to go through the ranks before you can, you know, he had to be a, um, what's known as a team leader. He then had to, uh, command a company of, of ODAs. And so now he go through the ranks to learn what's, what all those guys are going through. So your best way to, to help them and everything. Um, I actually have a picture of him where he is, having a, a conversation he's got two phones two different phones next to each side of his head following along and having two different conversations like high stress level conversations <laughs> with two different people to me I was like oh my god what, how do you even learn to do that um so one of the first stories you ever told me was as a as a team leader as an officer like like a an SF team has anywhere you know around twelve guys. You have a team leader who's a who's a captain. You have a team sergeant who's a senior enlisted guy of the team. Um, you have a team warrant officer, um, and then you have several guys fulfilling the roles, whether it's weapons, in charge of weapons, engineering, medic, etc. Um, but the team sergeant has the most years and experience on the team. Okay, as an officer, you're fresh out of Uh, SF school going in there so even though you're the team leader like you still have to you gotta know your role a little bit like your role is to lead the team manage the team and learn from the guys but now like you've finally been through this huge long pipeline of training and selection and the whole deal I'm like alright you finally get to your team and now you get to do all the all the Chuck Norris stuff you've you've been you've been you've been watching your whole life and you get to go you're gonna go ride in ATVs and shoot and jump out of airplanes and scuba dive and la la la, and so you're ready to do all that. So Roy was, you know, he got his first team. He's just ready to spend all his time on the range and do all the cool guy stuff. And so they go in the team room. And the team room's just kind of like that's your hangout area. So you're, you know, you're gonna have beer, you're gonna have playboys and just all kinds of stuff in there. Okay. So he's in the team room and like ready to start getting after it and uh their team room was just lined with bookshelves like hundreds to thousands of books so he's kind of like this isn't really what i had, I had, a, vision. <laughs> I had a vision like you know, where's all the where's all the weapons and da, da, da. so he talks to his team start. he's like hey like who's got time to read all these like it was these just a collection of books over the course of history and uh, he's like, sir, I've got time to, I've read every single book in here. And now that's your job to read every single book in here. So he's telling me this story and he's like, your job is not to go do cool guy stuff and, and all that stuff. Your job as a, and this in you know, to our, to our current day situation, your job as a leader is, a, is to, is to know everything and then have everybody on your team fulfill those functions. Like you're not, that's like, and for me, you know, I can't coach every single class. I mean, that's where it's fun. Now I've got to help manage and lead the coaches on the floor, kind of stuff. Um, so, extremely brilliant, very smart. Clearly, he's, he's still in. He's a, he's a Fulberg colonel. Um, so these are the Riddler's Laws. <clears throat> our life is what our thoughts make it. Marcus Aurelius my hero foundation of my approach everything I do and think about success is predicated on people in general without people organizations can't can't accomplish squat mm-hmm. If one is to lead or follow one must fully know themselves and thus educate themselves to the fullest extent possible bookshelf example right there in essence growth, And knowledge prevents stagnation. Rules. Have a vision. Make a strategy for all facets in your life. And your path will, will reveal itself. Including the path of your organization. Chasing ambition or someone else's goals only leads to misery. Be yourself. Empower people to grow and make mistakes along the way. Don't micromanage people and don't perform your last job. This fosters a learning environment, which is conducive to successful organizations. You as a leader must remain above the minutia because people depend on you to steer the organization. Just because you're in charge doesn't mean you've arrived. You're a cherry leader who's counted on to have refined your decision-making and problem-solving skills. Next, avoid falling into the trap of groupthink being toxic and selfish. These are cancer for self and organizations as a whole. Next, review yesterday's lessons, today's position and tomorrow's goals. Risk and challenges constantly. Life is di- life is dynamic. Thus, one's goal is to stay par or better yet ahead of life. Avoid distractions. Listen and treat your body well. Reflect Study, love, exercise, and eat well. Let's say that again, because I, that's mm-hmm. reflect, study, love, exercise, and eat well. These practices will maintain your sharpness and resiliency in good and bad times. Next, not my quote, but I subscribe to quote: think globally and act locally. Whether it be during travel. Within or external in relation to yourself and organization, possibilities are limitless by thinking in this manner. But to tap into it, one should have an insatiable appetite to explore people, places, and things. Not being satisfied with the status quo. However, one must consider local customs, traditions, and histories too when communicating. This assures openness of others to transmit their ideas. People belong to all kinds of groups. The superior leader rises above not to form prejudice, which inhibits positive outcomes. As simple as a golfer has different goals, values, and beliefs than bowlers, Germans, vice French, East Coast, Vice West Coast, race, politics, etc. Holistic leaders understand and transcend these differences and similarities in the effort to obtain the best ideas and foster an organization's culture of inclusion and empowerment. Lastly, when a valued member decides to leave the organization, don't think of it negatively. Rather, think of it in terms that the organization was fortunate to have such an individual. Think that his or her parents inculcated such values that the member's talents aligned with your organization and contributed to its goals. When a person leaves, so does a bit of the organization, which will germinate elsewhere, thus, spending your organization's legacy. If treated well, this member will spread the positive aspects of the organization, so a leader should do everything within their abilities. To ensure an individual's transition to something they're excited about. This is selflessness. A win-win scenario. The Riddler's Laws. Well, each of those Laws of Success could
2: be a podcast episode in their self. That's a lot of knowledge there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I think the for me, the main thread between all, I mean, especially the, the Riddler is you have to take time to really kind of think. Stop being so reactive to stimulus. Bum, 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 bum. Like, take time. Pull yourself back. Really think of the all-encompassing scenario, whether it's life, business, sport, whatever. Um, you know, it's like the old saying... Be a chess player, not a not a checker player, and you can see, like, I mean, there's several quotes about essentially thinking
1: yeah.
0: um, and being very thoughtful and being very considerate of. Well, Mike and I, we've been
2: having that conversation a lot lately. Is just if if you're in a leadership position and you're stuck doing a certain function, you don't have you don't have time to think. You've got to replace yourself someone to do that function and step away and look at the business mm-hmm. and have time to think and plan strategically and look ahead mm-hmm. and build
0: teams and I think it's the one of the hardest parts of owning a small business I mean small business could be yourself small business could be up to 15, 20 people um, but if you are so entrenched in the daily grind in the could, you know Checking stuff off task lists, just for the sake of checking stuff off task lists, you're you're doing today's work. Who's doing tomorrow's work? Who's thinking of tomorrow? Who's thinking of next week? Who's thinking of month, year, etc.? Like, as as the business owner or CEO or whatever, your job is to think strategically and forecast the vision for the organization. Easier said than done when it's... If you're the only guy, you know, in the shop doing everything, it can, it can grind you down. Good. Good. Great stuff.
1: Great stuff. Guys, my mentor.
0: I came prepared. Let's do it. I know yes. you want to hear about yes. it. Yes! I know you
1: want to hear it. So...
0: Wait, stand by. This coffee break
1: is brought to you. Oh! Oh.
2: Oh.
0: Never mind. We out. Never mind. um, We're good. It's just
1: too good. Everybody's been drinking all morning. So, um, in life, I feel like, as you guys both proved, you come across different mentors at different times. um, And they stick with you, and the lessons that you learn from them, they just carry on to the next experience or the next. It might be different. my grandparents, my parents, basketball coaches, I was always involved with sports, my in-laws and and my husband and now you guys. So uh I look up to for advice and guidance and uh just as I've totally embarked on a, a different path than I've ever been on or ever thought I would be on um just recently when we started up third in court, uh, with Dale, the t-shirt shop, um, you talked about building belief. And for me, I always thought that that would be something I would love to do, but was never believed that that would be something that I could do and be successful at. Um, time will tell, (laughs) but same with being a, working at the gym, um, getting my level one, I'm not smart enough, just never, I always had that insecurity, like something holding me back, uh, before. And I never thought that you could quit your day job, um, get a, and, and leave that corporate world. And, uh, then, uh, I, uh, walked into the gym, moved down here. Once again, moved down here from Zanesville and, and didn't know anybody. And, was working from home at the Knitting Guild, which we talked about, <laughs> for the Knitting Guild, I should the say, Knitting the Guild. Knitting Guild, a nonprofit uh, out of Zanesville, and just and and ever since I walked in uh, and meeting all the business owners and the members that are at the gym, I look up to each of them uh, as mentors in some way, shape, or form, and and as family, and my new family down here since I'm so far away. Uh, therefore. As I've learned and and gone on in time, I'd have to say that since meeting you guys and everybody, that that my mentor would be the person that I'm always chasing. And it's me in five years. And in five years, it'll be me five years after that. Uh, Five years ago, I never thought, like I said, I'd be where I am or who I am. And we talked about insecurity, and I always tell everybody this. That uh, since I stepped into the gym into PSKC and uh, met those people, I've never felt like more myself. And um, and Dale and Tim know you guys all know that I don't. I don't care. I have so much fun, and I'm just I laugh at myself ninety five percent of the time. But that was never something that I felt like I could do
0: publicly. That's 100% of the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm funny. I think I'm funny. But I never thought that I could could do that before in a public setting. I thought that I had to be a certain way and for people to like me. Um, But I truly feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing at this time in my life. And all that came from the guidance and support and love that I've had along the way. And that just I've never... Truly, like I said, became who I am, became myself and who I am and to be okay with it until now. So you talk about life lessons and, and rules to live by. And I just, I'm not, I'm your, I'm your guys's friends, but I'm all, I feel like I'm always looking to you guys. What are, what are you doing? Okay, that's a good idea. And I, I get the advice from you without you having to say it. Like, and I know a lot of people do the same thing and look up to you guys. So you, uh, you've you been a big part of my life and helped build my confidence from a, uh, from, the, from a business owner standpoint now and just a member in general, and I thank you both for that. Uh, so I say this as a letter or warning, now that I'm gaining Tim's confidence, uh, to me in five years, I'm coming for you, baby. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> uh and i can't wait to see what we get ourselves into another business venture i mean five years ago i never thought i'd be sitting here doing this with you guys i didn't even know you guys five years ago so uh who knows and i just i'm just excited for the first time i'm so excited let's start a new business let's let's get the show on the road let's do it and uh like i said i'm just so thankful for everybody that's guided me and accepted me and loved me and just taught me so much and to dale and tim for uh Enriching my life and allowing me to be on this podcast journey with you guys.
0: Well, this podcast would not exist. <laughs> without saying <laughs> We come in, spend an hour of the week, and you're the one doing all the work behind the scenes to, to get this out there. So yeah. this wouldn't exist without you.
1: Well, I didn't mean to bring it down into a serious level, but... No, I'm just happy.
0: Was, like, I thought I was going to have to fire you. Because I thought you thought it was, I, thought thought it it was coming. Up. I felt my I thought face thought getting gonna, warm, and I was I like, "I thought Ooh. you're gonna shed a tear," and I nope. was like, "I don't want to fire you on air, but I will."
1: <laughs> so here's a story about one of my mentors, Dale King, once fired me in church. That's a true story. I get emotional when I go to church, and we were there.
0: Now wait a minute. I laid out clear expectations from the beginning.
1: I don't remember the first time I cried. Oh, I remember. It was when you told me you were pregnant with twins. You and Tia were pregnant with twins. It was the first time I cried in front of Dale. Because I was so happy. I was just so happy for them. And there might have been alcohol involved. And the second time was a lady that we work with. Her name's Kim. She was getting baptized at church. And they had like a... So, well, he told me before that, if I ever see you cry again, you're going to be fired.
0: So and I gave her clear expectations from the beginning.
1: And I thought, you know, we're in the house of the Lord, I'll be forgiven by Dale if I cry. It's emotional. There was a video, and I just, tear runs right down my face. And it was almost like Dale was there to catch it and slap me in my face with it. I was like, and I'm standing next to my husband, I'm like, well, Dale just fired me. And I did, like, and then there was one other time, I think, I forget what it was even about, and... I'm really not a big baby. I I just get worked up and Dale never said a word. He just walked in, slapped on my laptop, a post it note, said, Pack your shit, you're fired. <laughs> so I've been fired about three times by <laughs> Dale. <laughs> and I'm learn- I'm trying to build on my toughness, but um sometimes you just can't hold it back. Today I'm you did, today. today I'm glad I had control. I had control today. So
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: We've, uh, I know we've all got insecurities. I think that's just, uh, well, thanks for being authentic and honest. And and I think the more self-aware we are, the more... Yeah. Absolutely. I agree.
1: And every day you build up and get better and get better um, in that aspect. But <laughs> I just think it's great that, yeah. I, that well, anybody it, can be themselves around you guys.
0: It just speaks to the you know, if if you had never learned from John James, if Chad never took an interest in me, and then if uh, Colonel Douglas never did all the things he did, like, where would that take us? Right. Yeah. Like, that little ripple of impact. You Because those lessons are, you know, in this case being, you know, Sadie's absorbing that. They're not our lessons. We're just a collection of Experiences of people that we've we've learned along the way, and it just speaks to the like being able to take time out of your day to help somebody else out. The investment of time and attention means so much
2: to someone to improve their life. Yeah, it's better to be interested than interesting. Yeah, and I'm glad uh, There's been a few people that have taken an interest in my life, and mm-hmm. been the same with you guys.
0: And I think it's important that if somebody's asking you for advice, like your immediate thought be like, well, why the hell are they asking me? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, but they're, they're looking up to you because they seek your counsel and advice in a situation. And it's, it's extremely important that you take the time to really think about what they're asking and try to give them the best, best answer for that situation. Um, because you never know how where that can lead to, for that person and for you.
1: Good stuff, guys. Well done. Good. Um, like we said, we're gonna have some pictures posted up on the Facebook, and uh, and we'll get them up on the Doc Spartan website too on our Glock and Doc page, along with this very. Uh, you might think it's matted, but it's actually just glued to a tech book. It was actually three dollars 14 $3.14, picture of Tim on his horse. So if you'd like to see that, head over to our Facebook page, Glock and Doc. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or at GlockandDoc at gmail.com. We'll get them uh, answered on air. Um but if you want to check the the live stream.
0: Yeah, hopefully the live stream's still going uh, and the battery hasn't been dead. So we're going to, gonna as we progress with this, we're just going to try to figure out a whole bunch of other stuff as we go along. But the two things you need to do as a listener, whether you're an Apple or Google dude, go subscribe to the podcast, rate right me.
2: Make now. a little money, make a little love. spotlight like to shine on me what i got i didn't get for free i broke my back and skinned my